Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. To 13th and Fond du Lac on Urban Spelunking, we're at the Running Rebels Community Organization. This has been there a, a, a couple decades now. It's actually a yeah, it's longer here, running than you might think. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure the sign has been up that long. But, <laughs> right. But the sign, which is really obvious now, makes you really realize that it's there. It's also an eye-catching building. Yeah, it's super corner, distinctive. It's a corner building, so it's triangular in shape. And what's interesting is you see it there, but you kind of can't get there from here. So Running Rebels, as we mentioned, it's been a Milwaukee institution for a long time. It was founded in 1980 by Victor Barnett, um, who really was focused on sports and basketball at the time. And that was one of the big uh, draws for the neighborhood was was getting young people from the neighborhood involved in basketball. Yeah, and that's where the name comes from, which sounds like a very basketball-y name, doesn't it? Um, and yeah, so one of the first things they did when they moved in uh, was was sort of repave that parking lot area into a into a basketball court they said that it was all full of what they called city fill yeah i think it was just like uh broken up concrete and stuff it was it was dangerous and, so like dirt and concrete yeah. and rebar just kind of littered around yeah, filling up I'm the holes yeah and i'm not sure why it was there so the basketball court goes in and of course much more to come over the decades what, what's going on at running rebels now um well now they work with a number of mps schools they give uh, kids places to go after school, you know, stay off the street and they help with kids who have problems that need, you know, counseling and, and advice and things like that. But the, the place itself has a recording studio in it. It's got pool tables. It's got areas where they can just kind of hang out and talk. It's got areas where they can do homework. Yeah, I've been there after school a couple of times. We've done a variety of stories there, you know, interviewing people that work there and students and things. And the energy there after school is just like it's a busy, busy place. Uh, kids coming in, doing their homework, playing pool, hanging out, uh, you know, just being with each other. And yeah. I think that's one thing that um, you can't really state how important that is to to give a space for young people to be together around some kind of purpose with something to do after school. You know, and it's and, you know, actually one of our one of our DJs, Tyrone Miller, who does a ton of work with kids, always says that if you give young people something to do, they'll do it. You yeah, know, yeah. and it's you can see that mission in action every day at Running Rebels, whether it's basketball, the art programs, the, you know, mentorship, right? mentorship or whatever. And what's interesting um, with this building, too, is in, in recent years, they've um, opened up a part of it. For Express Yourself Milwaukee, which yes. they work with in Also cool. Yeah, again, another another thing that helps uh, kids do positive things, this time with uh, like music and performing arts. So they got Express Yourself Milwaukee on one floor, mm -hmm. then there's like a common floor where everybody kind of hangs out and does their after-school stuff, plays pool, homework help, that kind of thing. And then in the ground floor, there's like, there used to be a cafe in there, but it's now mostly meeting space. Yeah, now it's like meeting space and they open it up to community groups to use and and that sort of thing. So what is the target age group for for students and young people that can go here? Well, the target age group is uh, officially 12 to 17 years old, but they uh, there is wiggle room uh, right. on either end of that, you know. Like they, if there's somebody who's in there and they have a younger sibling that needs some help, they'll they'll help out. Um, and they basically they won't they don't just drop kids at 17 if kids still you know, are, they sort of age out and they still need assistance, you know, they they still do mentoring and they'll They'll do all kinds of things, too. The director of prevention programs there, John Rakowski, says that, you know, it's not like a, a regular work week type position when you're working for the organization. You know, if a kid calls you after hours, you, you got to be able to respond to that because right. that's what mentorship is to right. Running Rebels. You can't just say, I'm sorry, you have this problem. Call me back on Monday. Right. It's R just, it doesn't work that way. Right. So you look at just, you know, the 
I think, of, of course, their mission says a lot about what Running Rebels does, but then you look at the people that work there and just the, the spirit of being there, being being there for somebody in this community, for a child who maybe doesn't have that kind of mentorship in their life. Uh, it, it takes a certain quality of person, too, to be involved with this organization. Oh, yeah, super dedicated, because it also can't be easy work, you know, right. I mean, emotionally and, and just in in terms of just the kind of effort you have to put into it. I'm sure it's it can be draining, but they still do it. They're there every day doing it. Well, this is Urban Spelunking after all, and we got to talk about the building at 13th and Fond du Lac because the building that Running Rebels is in has this really interesting, like so many buildings, uh, like every building really around Milwaukee, but especially uh, in this neighborhood, uh, there, there was manufacturing. There was uh, this was a you know a real neighborhood connector for for so many reasons whether we're talking about its post office history, its factory history, or whatever else. So we're going to talk about that next on Urban Spelunking. 88.9's new podcast series, Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip-hop song is now available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and at RadioMilwaukee.org slash Backspin. Stream all six episodes now. Let's go to the movies. Cinebuds is a podcast about movies. In each episode, you never know what you're going to get. Every Wednesday, with 88.9's Justin Barney and Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. Each episode, they take you on a quest. What kind of quest? A quest of danger, excitement, thrills, wonder, adventure. And if you want to join their journey on the latest movies, just tune in to Cinebuds at RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcasts. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back at 13th and Fond du Lac at Running Rebels Community Organization. We talked a lot about what's going on uh, with Running Rebels in the first half, in the present day, because they've, they've, they're busy there. It's an active, oh, yeah. active site at Running Rebels. But the building has always been pretty busy. In fact, uh, it's been a, 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 like a resource for the neighborhood for its entire life. Yeah, as busy as it is now and as bustling with activity as it is now, it's, it's really maybe not even as bustling as it has been in the past when for years the first floor was uh, a post office and I think there were some other businesses in there as well. So you had tons of people coming and going all day back when people actually used to use the post office. Mm-hmm. Sorry, USPS. <laughs> um, but also upstairs and in the basement uh, for decades and decades and decades there were a variety of manufacturing businesses that that you know employed over 100 people. Most of the time, you know, so there were like, there were ladies' garments being manufactured there for a while. There were. That's your nice way of saying they were making ladies' They were making underpants, yeah. <laughs> um, panties, whatever you want to call them. Um, and there were uh, shoe manufacturers there. The like nationally of, advertised shoes. The Kikarinos. Yes. <laughs> It's a great name for a shoe, isn't it? A, a sensible shoe, I think, in the advertisement they say. It's it is. A, yeah. a nice blend of comfort and uh, utility or something. It, it looked like it, too, didn't it, from the pictures? <laughs> it did. Those were apparently famous shoes. I think the we're Kikorinos. Too young, we're too young to know that. But, right. You know. Well, with the name like um, Kikorinos. How could you fail? <laughs> um, but also hats. There was a hat business up there for a while. So all kinds of things like that. And then later it kind of morphed into like sort of less uh, labor-intensive things like 
There was a company that manufactured dollies for moving. Okay. Um, a lot of furniture manufacturers there were some in furni- there. some furniture manufacturers and reupholsterers, uh, things like that. Um, but what's interesting is the, the early garment uh, factories there tended to be a lot like what we think of. I mean, they might have been, you could call them sweatshops, I guess, because they were... Um, early on, they fell afoul of the authorities lots of times for not having sufficient exits, not having sufficient bathrooms, oh, really? too many people working in too small a space that wasn't properly ventilated, all that uh-huh. kind of stuff. Um, and then finally in the 30s, there was a huge strike there. A bunch of the workers from one of these clothing manufacturers went on strike. It was in the papers every day. There was like fear of violence outside with the protesters. Um, Big crowds too, right? Yeah, yeah. And um so at some point, though, after, at the end of the strike, it was solved because the owner agreed to some of the demands of the workers and gave wage increases. Um, but then soon after that, he just shut the factory and moved out to Mayville. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but then— Labor dispute settled, and I'm out. And I'm out of here. Yeah, okay. Um, and I found an interesting related, seemingly related story where a couple of years after the strike was over, this guy's house on Washington Boulevard, which is still there, I've driven past it, um, was set on fire. And they mm. thought maybe initially they thought it was something to do with with the strike, you know, because it was really acrimonious. But it turned out it was a couple of teenagers who had been doing this at a bunch of houses. They'd break into the houses, vandalize them, and then set them on fire. Really? Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting aside. I got to look that so up. So I'd included it in the story because I just thought it was kind of an interesting So I'm looking at the thing. story. Now. <clears throat> so I'm looking at the story right now. Uh, they rubbed honey all over the place and then- Yeah, they must have just found- uh, Put the gas on? Yeah, it's really weird. What a bunch of jerks. I know. God. <laughs> that does sound like uh, something a 17-year-old burglar would do, as opposed to, you know, taking the time to spread honey on every surface. That's... Well, you could see them as kids, like, in there, like, screwing around in the kitchen and, like, oh, look, there's honey. Let's squirt this all over the place. You know, just yeah. trying to be jerks. Yeah. Jerks. Jerks. So I, I had a stronger word, but I stopped, my, I stopped myself. <laughs> they were 17, you know. <laughs> right. So, um, it, you know, it was all these things over the years. Um was there ever a time when it was vacant, when it was just nothing? It doesn't seem like it, no. I mean, there were times when certain bits of it were vacant, like, you know, that certain part, like maybe an upper floor was vacant or something for a while. But it seemed like it's always had some kind of something going, you know, because then even after, um, even into like the 70s and 80s before um, Running Rebels got there, there was the dolly manufacturer, the furniture maker. Like there were, there were always people in there. They might not have really been sort of community-facing businesses, like a post office mm-hmm. would have been and that sort of thing. Um, but there was, seems like there's always been activity in the building. It definitely feels like kind of an industrial building when you walk in there. You know, uh, it has kind of that look inside. It's got big wide staircases yep. in the yep. back that, you know, lead between floors. And- Which was added later at, at you know, the they were forced to add that because their staircases, from the especially from the basement, were not considered sufficient, especially if there had been a fire. So I talk about that in the story, and you can see on the outside of the building where this part with the staircases was kind of like tacked onto the back of the building to bring it up to a, a safer code. So all that happens, Running Rebels eventually moves into the building. Um, now they've been there, you know, fully, they they own the building now. Yeah, for they a while moved they in renting. in the, yeah, they moved in in the late 80s as, uh, as renters. But then I think within about two years, they bought the building and, and took over the whole thing. And I know we mentioned it earlier, but just, uh, you know, all the stuff they have in there, I was... When I went there on a tour once, when they showed me the recording studio, I was like, "That's really brilliant." Yeah, you know, and really yeah. cool that they've got this recording space for students who, um, you know, I think there's kind of a mission around the kind of music that they make there too, where it's a little bit more like socially conscious mm-hmm. and um, it's not like there's not a lot of profanity in it. It's you know, it's like writing from the heart. And, yeah. 
Uh, I think they have to like, you know, keep their grades at a certain level to participate in the recording program. So it's just another incentive that the organization provides for these students to to do a good job and to yeah. stay engaged. Yeah. And it's an interesting building. I drive, I drive past it every day on the way to taking my kids to school in the morning and and every day my my kids would joke about the way the sign is laid out it looks there's only one r for running rebels so one day my kid said what does running ebbles mean <laughs> and that just sort of became a, a running joke if you will. um so it was sort of fortuitous that they called and said hey do you want to come over and check it out because i actually as a matter of fact i did <laughs> and wasn't there haven't they expanded since to a second location yeah they also have um a location on uh the 300 block of East Capitol. Right, um, yeah, and that's more of a sports focus there, right? Yeah, and Gym that used and to be home to Lad Lake, which was a, was a school. But yeah, they're in there now, too. Cool. We can go inside and find out much more about Running Rebels, our complete conversation, at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. And of course, get to Bobby's complete story. We've got it linked up right at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. Podcasts on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from On Milwaukee and, of course, your membership. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's podcasts, including our brand new podcast, Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip-hop song. You can find all of 88.9's podcast content in one spot at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo, thank you. De nada, Nate.